This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If I could take you up in paradise up a dove If you could tell me I'm the only one you love Life could be a dream, sweetheart You know what, Tom? I will always sing with you. You will. I will. I know that. I know that Marianne doesn't love it, oh, and that's well, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Probably because she's heard so much of it. But I will always sing with you, and I'm always going to dig up. So, so a couple of times um, ago, before we do this, and I was thinking of the different songs. So one of them sounded very much Sandman like, yeah. which we sang the last time we were together. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, and then this one came to mind, the Shaboom Shaboom. So um, that was one of the other songs that kind of reminded me. Of oh, the let's intro. hear a little of it. No, that we just no? sang it. Oh, we just sang. Oh, no. oh, okay. it. That was it. So, hey, everybody. Welcome back. 105.3 FM HD 2. It's me, Allie Lofton, the kooky oyster broad. Thank you, Gregory. I'm thanking you again because if you have nothing, have a sense of humor. <laughs> I like it. I own it. That's what I'm going to start calling myself. So I took it from you, and I'm owning it. Allie Loft and the Kooky Oyster Broad with uh, <laughs> Fridays with Fitzmorris. That's what I'm calling this. And we are here today with Tim Lacoste, which is the special guest that I brought um, with Tom today. And we are talking about how he established his own, um, his bee apiary um, and his own products, Red Hill Bee Farm. Um, so he has his own honey. Um, and then he has. I have my own honey. <laughs> Do you? I think yeah, Mary Ann's your own honey. That's right. <laughs> That's you, right. You, you beat me to it. Um, I, I hope she was listening. Uh, oh, she knows. She knows. And she so, knows, all right. And so he has his own honey. He has his own lip balm, all which right. I was just corrected, and his own soap. So he was um, he was telling us kind of about the establishment of his bee farm, um, and I think we kind of ended with basically, you need to bottle this stuff and sell it. Correct, mm-hmm. and that's and and so that's where we are. So, mm-hmm. how long have you been selling the the honey? Probably five years, um, longer than that. I've been beekeeping for eight, and wow. I guess I caught on a little quick. I'm in a bee club in Covington. Oh, and about fifty of us get together and talk about how to improve our beehives and and how to better manage honeybees. And you always have newcomers and you share lessons learned. Tom needs to start coming to that beehive group. It's the River Region Bee Club, and it's um, a bunch of great folks out there. That's very cool. We have it on a third, uh, second Thursday. Tom, are you interested in getting stung again? It could. uh, It could happen. (laughs) You know, it's. I guess it's. It could could be that. The uh, biggest 
You know, uh, when we just clicked into this uh, part of it, there was something you said earlier that caught my attention about it, and I forgot it again. So, um, Well, so he's making his own honey. Yep. And and he has 80, 80, what do we call them? 80 beehives. 80 beehives. And a member of the River Regent Bee Club. And the most distinguished thing about that bee club. Well, we were talking about preservation, and I Mm -hmm. guess it wasn't bad. It's not... We're not doing. Are no, we doing anything no, to harm the bees down here? No, not really. Okay. No. Yeah, I, you know, uh, about two or three years ago, uh, some people that I know, well, two of them were doctors, and the others were were sort of chefs. So at, at the very least, they were very uh, good at home cooking. They were raising their own bees in their backyard, and they were using it in all kinds of stuff all the time. And once you have it. You're home free. I mean, you you can do anything you want it's to. It's the really. natural sweetener, <laughs> and and it is, and it it it's not going to uh, poison you or anything like that. There's really, a, I don't know if there's even I'm a interested in go like knowing it doesn't go bad. Doesn't go bad. Doesn't go bad. Crystallizes. What turns influences up. the flavor? The flowers, okay. right? It's the region that you live in. Like in this part of the world, in Louisiana, we have a lot of oak trees, cypress trees, pine trees, yes, magnolias, privet, and the bees collect the nectar. Chinese tallow tree makes the best honey, and that's a real invasive tree. I don't tree. know what that is. Do you know what that hmm. is, Tom? It's no, the, I, they, no. People call them the popcorn tree, a chicken tree. Hmm. They have the little mm-hmm. seed pods that open up at this time of the year and drop okay. little white seeds, and they could adapt to any type of soil range and climate. And they've really taken over a lot of our forest and the state and some other federal programs are trying to I manage. I thought bees had to land on flowers. They do. So they land on flowers. They land on the the, the fruiting member of the plant yeah. of, of the Chinese tallow tree and some oh, okay. a, a bunch of other trees, whatever's blooming at a certain time of the year. Like privet is early in the spring, around May. Chinese okay. privet. Yeah. White flowers. So they go and collect the nectar from these trees and plants, and they bring it back to the hive, and it comes in. 80% water, 20% fructose and glucose. Hmm. And by the time they finish with it, they fan it. All of right. them fan they, okay, I and saw dehumidify this the, the honey to an 18... comes off their wings, their well, whole body. They fan it, correct. And they, they they allow an air movement inside of the Did hive. Did you like my bee move? This is me being a bee. <laughs> <laughs> they dehumidify the honey to 18% moisture content, and it comes out 80% thickened honey and 20% yeah. water. Okay. Hmm. So, and they know that. What's the flavor, though? Like, I've tasted different honey well, you've flavors. Heard, you've heard, you of, you've heard of Tupelo honey, and yes. you've heard of um, maybe Chinese tallow tree honey and clover honey. And I've seen honey that's darker, right? I've seen a darker, like, darker like, color. Like golden, yeah, gold, yeah. goldenrod is a dark honey that does crystallize pretty fast at this time of the year in October. You get them in the fall. It's in the fall. Yeah. This, I, October, right now, is goldenrod honey flow okay. yeah, so right yeah. now this is like our this is like a spring but the honey is quantity is not there like it is in the early spring okay mm. and it's the last time that the bees really have a chance to store some food into their hive so you know what winter. your bees are gathering like where they're getting their flavor mm-hmm. okay where where oh right now it's goldenrod okay okay yeah and in Louisiana, we, we start off early in the spring, March, with clover. You know, you have a lot of clover is the first thing that pops out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that mostly goes to the juvenile bees inside the home, into the, inside the hive, and that's what they feed on. So it's hard to get a good clover honey in Louisiana. Okay. Now, up yeah. north, they cheat a little bit. The beekeepers up north cheat a little bit. They bring their hives Cheaters. down to the south, and they winterize them in Louisiana and Mississippi. Hmm. And when a hive 
you know, because of the climate, they're able to get a head start. Their spring up in the Dakotas and, um, you know, the Midwest, so to speak, Nebraska, those winters, I mean, springtime is in April for them, mm-hmm. in May. Right, yeah. So they'll bring the bees down here and ramp them up and then truck them up there and put them out into the clover fields. Like hybrids, almost. No, they just get in a big population started early okay and they'll put them out in the fields in in their spring which is april and may and that's when a clover comes out so they they're able to gather a whole bunch of clover um honey mm-hmm. from the nectar of the clover plant flower and isn't that amazing i mean it's just like god's bonus to you right you know seriously whereas here we one of the purest most purest form of a, of I don't know. It's not a sauce. I mean, honey is its own thing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But sweeteners, it's one of the most purest natural forming sweeteners. And it's great for your body. That Mother Nature has given us. A lot of people take it for their allergies. And I guess you say it can mimic a flu shot. You put a little bit in your system. Hmm. So when a pollen is out, your body's already kind of combating that. Right. And um, there's a whole bunch of benefits to honey. Just like letting my kids dig in the dirt. I'm building up their immune system. Their you bacteria know what I and that will I'm help. I'm gonna just start <clears throat> squeezing the honey. Like I'm gonna start like giving my kids like a squeeze of honey before flu season, and be like, here. Who knows? <laughs> it it might work. You never it can might. tell. It's not gonna hurt you. That I knew. Except the stinging part, which which you don't. Yeah, I don't like. know how yeah. I feel about that. Yeah. I'm gonna give my kids some honey. It, it, I'm gonna pass. It on doesn't the hurt you part. that much. It's it's when it gets you. It's worse than a like a wasp or something. It, right. They they here they are. Well, last thing it detaches from their abdomen and it stays in you, and they have a little pump. We call it a honey a venom pump. It's the stinger <laughs> and a little ball on the on the um, the barb, and it detaches from the abdomen. And it twitches. It's a little muscle, like a pump, and it's pumping venom in you. So beekeepers know to scratch it out. You don't want to smash it, and and because you'll inject yourself with venom. Tricks of the trade, y'all. I hope you're listening. You need to scratch it out, and you cut that venom off sooner than later. Yeah, I would think so. Okay, Mm. so where 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 are you going from here? Well, well, I never talked about where my beehives are. Oh yeah. Well, I thought you're yard, right? I'm from. Well, remember. I'm from Bucktown, and I married an Italian girl in Independence. And Independence is north of Hammond, about 10, 10 miles. That's an Italian city, too. It's an Italian yeah. city, and uh-huh. they call it Little Italy. They have the um, yeah. the state sign, Little Italy. It's established in 1859. Right up Har- uh, Highway 51. I live off of 51, Highway 51, about two miles. So I'm, I moved up to Independence to be in a country because, like I said, I've always For liked— For your bees? No, I've, oh, always liked okay. the, I've always liked the country. You know, it's getting back before I had bees, and we we bought acreage up there, and after we built a home, how much look, acreage you need for eighty? Well, bees? you like to pollinate um, three to four hundred acres. I, I pollinate wow. some of these big farms up that way, um, in independent Lyusa farms and some other local farms. I do pollination services mm-hmm. for them. But on another subject, my farm is relatively small, and I have my home on it and a big barn. And I finished the home in a barn, and I was looking for something to do. And that's when I got into the beekeeping. Okay, yeah. And I have um, different BRs, apiaries in the area, and I'm allowed to kind of multi-manage pollination in that area and and get different crops of honey at different times. Okay. So So you can have it throughout the year versus just one time. Right. Yeah. And in case disease or something happens, you know, an accidental, accidental flyover with pesti- uh, pesticides for mosquitoes. Right. 
Um, you know, could, that could happen. It impacts What's a lot. What's an accidental flyover? Well, I say an accidental flyover. Sometimes bees get sprayed if they're not sprayed at um, dark. Yeah. And some, a lot of beekeepers complain that their hives has been um, fumigated by the local oh, parish for okay. mosquito okay. Yeah. treatments. And right. So it's always that juggling. So you like to have, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. <laughs> I like to be yeah. spread out. Even bee eggs. Even bee eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to have that little insurance. Though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I follow that. So, so anyway. So you have it there on your farm mm-hmm. and you're able to farm throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's busy in the spring, slows the, down in the spring. And summer. they have different flavor profiles throughout the year, depending on. You can if you want to micro, um, micro harvest. Meaning take the honey and, and super up. Super means when you put um, honey boxes on top of an established brood colony. Okay. And you can put the empty frames on top of your hives before the, a projected nectar flow of a plant that you might want. Like if you had tallow, mm-hmm. we have tallow. Mm-hmm. But if I, I wanted to have all tallow honey, I would put my beehives out and get them ramped up with empty honey boxes and have the tallow nectar come in and then stop it when a tallow is finished, and I can classify it as pure tallow honey. Hmm. They do that with clover. They do that with um, tupelo honey. Okay. I don't really do that. It's labor-intensive and my... I'll bet uh, your club uh, and you and all the other members of the club... Or must be some kind of group to listen to. Huh? Seriously, yes. right? We talk they, about some funny stuff. I bet you do. I bet, you, and, and it probably gets down to some very tiny pieces. Yes, <laughs> tiny can, can I ask you something that you mentioned earlier, if I may, to mm-hmm. everybody else who's? Um, um, you, you mentioned that the, the Army Corps of Engineers that you were working for them or something. They do, he works for them now. That's my primary employer. Oh, okay. And I'm a project manager <laughs> who manages a, a civil works project. Um, in the Atchafalaya Basin. Oh, okay. And it's basically yeah. managing uh, 50,000 acres of federal land. Wow. Well, that's a lot of so people. So what is the management of that? In t- like, um, you- for recreation. And, okay, and, right. Yeah, and yeah, environmental yeah, stewardship. That. So we, uh, we set up canoe trails, hiking trails. I imagine. Manage- you don't have, I don't know how he has free time for all this, these these Asian. <laughs> well, it's a team. It's, not free. It's, it's one team. The Corps of Engineers is one team, and um, everybody does their part, and it comes together. Wow. Uh, oh, well, we got to go to break. Well, when we get back from break, we're going to talk about how Tim's family was involved with a restaurant in West End in addition to a seafood company. He's got a lot of great history, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. All right. We'll let you. This is The Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmorris. Nice to be here with you talking about food in every imaginable way. I think we've proved that today for darn sure. And we'll be back with more of it after. You know, uh, do we need to stop for a New Orleans hamburger and seafood? Probably. I love talking about hamburgers, but New Tom or- doesn't let me talk about hamburgers. You, you want to do it? <laughs> uh, no, I'm serious. You, uh, well, you want to do, after do break, hamburgers? When, now or from break? No, well, yeah, do it now or, or right after the break. Right after break. Okay. We'll talk okay. about it. Fair enough. Hi, it's the food show. It still is, if you believe it or not. And uh, having a, a delightful day today, I, I have to say. And, I've uh, had a fantastic day I, with you. I'm glad you, you did. Cause it's, it's my favorite Fridays. Fitz, yeah? Fridays is, with Fitzmorris. Is today Friday? Yeah. Oh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm calling my favorite. It, my always... favorite. We were coming up with some fun alliterations um, at lunch. My favorite mm. Fridays with Fitzmorris. Mm. Um, and, you know, one of the greatest things that I've always loved about this show is not only do we get historical 
pieces of information about the, sometimes his, we get hysterical historical hysterical it you know what this week has been hysterical actually um I, I have laughed a lot even though i can't always um i can't always call in as a listener but what i've always loved about the show is that not only do we get historical and hysterical but we get educational which is um you know one of the things that i was so excited about bringing um you know, my guest Tim today is that he has been sharing with us all about the educational aspects of owning your own apiary. And so what we were talking about while we were on break is sort of these high notes that we that we want to they, know about keeping bees. Are they, are they keeping uh, bees. tenors or uh, what, we have these high notes? Uh, do you feel like they're high enough to be tenor? Uh, I, yeah, I think they could probably handle okay. it. Okay. So we're going to let Tim tell us what, what, what those what are. What do they sound like? What does a bee sound like? Does, <laughs> do they I think have it's high. Then it might be a baritone. But they're important aspects, and one of them was that we were talking about was the crystallization. That is interesting. I, I remember reading that somewhere because I, I, I went on a, 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 a running uh, total of a lot of uh, bees back when. I mean, I, I've completely forgotten why. This would have been about 20, 25 years ago that I did that. And I, I, I discovered that you could do that. All you have to do they is crystallize. It, and, and, but then it's warm enough to, to just use it as you could spread it. You could, right. You and, rewarm it. And it's, uh, yes. it's uh, just a wonderful thing. Yes. Um, honey does crystallize in its natural form. And that, var- that could vary in three weeks to six months. I've had honey crystallize like goldenrod this time of the year. Seems like it crystallizes within two weeks. Yeah. You put it in a bucket, food grade buckets of drums, and they just it turns hard on you, and it's hard mm-hmm. to get out. And some honeys, like the summer honeys, it seems like it takes six months to decrystallize. I mean, <sighs> to crystallize. And, Everything takes longer. Uh, in so once sun. it's in a jar, if you do own a bottle of honey and they see crystallization, don't throw it out. It's not bad. Right. Just put it in some. Which bowl. I have thought. Yeah. That. A lot of people yeah. do. It's hard to get out the jar or bottle especially if you have a squirt bottle, mm-hmm. and just put it in some um, you know, warm, water, warm water, hot water, yeah. and let it sit for 10 or 15 minutes, and it'll liquefy again. Right. But some people do f- prefer to spread it on toast and I some other things. I love crystallized. Actually, I love mm-hmm. the crunch. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it doesn't go bad. And then you were telling us one of the other important aspects um, to know about um, about your beekeeping is that it's chemical-free. Yeah. So um, you know, in the bee club, the River Regions Bee Club, we pride ourselves on being um, treatment-free beekeepers. Um, a lot of commercial folks will, um, you know, fumigate some of their hives with miticide to treat for varroa mite and, um, you know, try to knock back the small hive beetles, some of these pests that bring down a colony at certain times of the year. Ugh. And we, we try to keep strong bees. We manage our genetics in, like, a three-mile area. And we try to keep strong queens and strong hives to defend the hive and fight off some of these what a, critters. What an image that makes so in We my might mind. not have 100 hives, 20 or 30 of them being weak and, you know, 70, 40 being strong. We might have 50 hives that are strong and call the other ones or merge the other ones together to keep strong mm-hmm. hives. Hmm. That's one of my practices. They're and pretty smart, those bees, aren't they? Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. And they don't – so – we don't treat our bees, so I pride myself and my beekeeping and my apiaries as being treatment-free, chemically-free beehives. It comes straight out the hive, the honey, out the frames, straight into jars in a 400-micron filter. And Where so you, can they find your 
Honey. I'm, I'm uh, a, uh, they just fly through the air, and there it is. No, his honey. <laughs> oh, the honey. Where mean can the, you find his honey? I, I have it in 20, about 20 retail stores throughout the Hammond and Metairie, okay. New Orleans area. I found them on Facebook, y'all, in, in and, my um, Dennis's spot. Seafood is one spot that we yes, like to sell Yes, which at. we will talk about. But and you were telling me one other really cool historical fact about King Tut's tomb. Well, I did find a jar of honey in King Tut's tomb. They found five, They recorded really? 5,000 5, artifacts. That's how Old honey is, yep. y'all. They have no recorded 5,000 artifacts in his tomb, and one of them was a jar of honey. And they say that it was his... They, they, was it crystallized? I'm sure it was. It probably <laughs> looked like tar, because it does... When it ages, it gets a dark patina to it. Uh-huh. So it's probably dark. Uh, honey doesn't go bad, y'all, by the way. That's what... That's what well, we were know, talking about. We have, um, they have found petroglyphs with, um, you know, images of beekeeping. Right. So it, it's been known that beekeeping's been around for centuries. Yeah, and if it seems uh, just preposterous that uh, that the bee, that honey could be coming in from uh, the... Argentina. Ar- Argentina, <laughs> that far. That's one of the big honey producers, yeah. and it's... But uh, there it is. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, going and getting it. Well, so he mentioned that Dennis... Seafood was one of the places that sold it, and mm-hmm. that's interesting because that is your my, father's. My family's business. Oh, gosh. That then your brother mm-hmm. now, now runs it as well. You know what we need, obviously, is an oyster and honey connection somehow. Do we need an oyster and honey connection? <laughs> I think so. You know, that don't even sound good. <laughs> well, here, but, okay. Now, uh, butter and, <laughs> and I, I bananas. Mean, I could make a connection. He's saying that because, hey, Gregory, again, thank you, man. I'm taking it. I'm owning the kooky oyster broad bit. And um, I'm taking it on, so that's my persona now is the kooky oyster broad. But I do use honey as a sweetener for for if you need, like, actually, I use it in my margaritas. I made margaritas last night. Um, We had Mexican um, as our as our dinner and um, I used it as a sweetener. So so I could see that connection. But um, one of the other interesting aspects about Tim when I met him was that he also has a great family um, history um, in the seafood and restaurant business. And um, that's one of the things that I thought was um, I you know, I didn't tell Tom he was coming before uh, he got in here today because the rain was so bad. I wasn't sure if he was going to make it. But um, Swanson Seafood, was that the name of it, Tim? That's, that's correct. Okay, Swanson Seafood was a restaurant that started in the 1920s. In 1922. 1922. In West End. I'm, I'm going to let him tell you about yeah. it. I have, I have delved into this history, but certainly not enough. But I know Tom and him know the connection because Tom said he um, had visited the restaurant. So, Tim, tell us about that restaurant. Well, my great-grandfather, Frank Swanson, um, and his two brothers started the restaurant in around 1922. And it started off before Swanson's as a Yellow Dog Saloon. And they did have a if line. If anybody remembers these, 2606368. <laughs> they did have a line drawn through the, re- the bar or restaurant, the saloon, I guess you would call it. And one side was where you drank alcohol, and the other side was where you gambled. The Jefferson Parish side was the illegal gambling side. This is in the 20s. This is in the 20s. Okay. And the, the three brothers quickly realized that, you know, it was a, it was a money maker. You know, if the alcohol re- or the if, gambling? Uh, I'm sure both. But if you <laughs> go back in history, you remember when Millenberg and West End really started taking off as recreational. It all came in when a 
when the cars were starting to be, become more popular and pe- transportation, they built some railroad tracks to go out to the West lo- End. The long, third longest railroad uh, track in America. From, from uh, out in the West End? Elysian Fields, from the river all the way to uh, okay. Lake Pontchartrain, was the longest commercial uh, a, a train that you could get on board and be carried to the other end for a fare. Okay. Well, it That's just you, you in interest. Yeah. You just caught me with the well, the reference to well, uh, they, it shows you how popular <clears throat> recreation became when when access was available, mm-hmm. and they brought a railroad line from New Orleans to. So it was uh, started out as Yellow Dog Yellow Saloon. Yellow Dog Saloon. Okay. So they brought a railroad line from New Orleans to the lake. That's and it. And it was a popular destination for boating and swimming, and this is when transportation just started really taking off. I guess in the early 1900s. And the seafood was unlimited in that part of the area. People from Bucktown, who's established that, who's been established there for many, many years, they used to make their living on seafood life. And so now they could share it to, from for a lot of to a lot of wealthy folks coming from New Orleans, and they realized they could make some money. Again, again, again with the money. Um, again with the money, <laughs> and he he realized food was really. The, one of the best angles, so he opened up Swanson's So why was gambling on one and alcohol on the other? It was illegal, I guess, and it was illegal in Jefferson Parish to gamble inside. Okay, so, but it wasn't illegal at this time for alcohol. Y'all are going to have to inform no, I, me on I this don't history. Remember. I don't know this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, oh, I don't really when, when we would have seen it, uh, well, I, when was, I went, it, it, it went there, it was... It, not, they, in the 20s. <laughs> not in the 20s. Not in the 20s. I'll make that clear. Yeah. But it was it the, the the stripe down the middle was there, and the guy who was running it at that time was a very very smart chef, who took it and it so was, could you have gambling and could you have oh, alcohol, but you couldn't yeah. have them together. You couldn't have them. Or you, you know, the, the, this one would tell you it, it was okay, and this one on the other side of the stripe would tell you you can't do that in here. Okay. So, Here we go. So, yeah, there you go. So after the Yellow Dog Saloon, my my great grandfather Frank Swanson made it a primarily a restaurant, and he opened up Swanson's Restaurant, and that okay. was in 1926. Okay. And well, by the time we were in the 70s, 20, 1970 something, mm-hmm. right around then, I remember because I was routinely doing an article about all of the restaurants in West End, which was a lot even back then. And uh, this guy, uh, I wish I could remember his name. It was a, Danny Meyer. Thank you very much. Danny. A, Danny, Danny. Danny Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. yeah, and he was, uh, he, he used to come on the show all the time. And That uh, was his grandson. His, his grandson, okay. His grandson. Yeah. Well, I was in the right... Uh, right right uh, market there. Yeah, somewhere. But... Um, I, that's uh, that's uh, uh, that whole uh, apparatus there with with all of the the different places you could go mm-hmm. uh, like that, and uh, well, so he converted ch- and decided that restaurant was the way to go. He, yes, yeah. He decided, and it it was, you know, Swanson's for forty some more years. It was in the fifties. My great grandfather passed away, I believe, in nineteen fifty six, and Danny took over the restaurant. I think in the um, 60s or 70s. Yeah, that's, 70, that's 1978, about right. somewhere around there. He was a, a terrific guy to talk to. He really knew some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, and then he died at a young and he age. he died, yeah. and it was, I believe the, the Swanson's, I don't know what happened between when Danny died into 1980, 
three to build and burn down. Up and yeah. Just gone one day and it, it not ultimately gone burned to, down. Yeah. And I remember that because, again, I was from Bucktown. You were a kid. I was a kid, and um, I was from Bucktown. And it had there the, you they go. had the Gap Bridge by Brunnings. And yeah. I remember seeing a fire. I remember <coughs> when they were putting it out because it was my great grandma's restaurant, and everybody rode their bicycles mm. because right. it was going on at my mom's restaurant. And right. It was in flames, and they were putting out the flames. So, do you have any sort of, of memories of the restaurant well, that, that stick out in your mind? Um, no, other than that, that is actually the only memory I have is watching it burn. Before that, I guess I took it for granted <laughs> that it was, you know, a popular right. restaurant in the family, and I've dined there. It just. Mm-hmm. What stands out so is well, what it's time, well, we're, we're going to come back and talk about this. So, was your father's seafood company established at that point? No. Okay. He opened up so his seafood coming. business in 1975. Okay. All right. So, that's coming. All right. Well, when we come back, 105.3 FM HD2, we're going to finish talking about Swanson's Restaurant and Dennis Seafood. Our uh, food show continues here on 105.3 FM HD2. Can I just say something really quick? Oh, yeah. Sure. I've had a freaking blast with you today oh have you <laughs> well you know lunch. it's uh, as i was telling those guys over at, at brunings not excuse me no, bon at the bonton today uh, there were uh, three guys sitting at a table at, right next to ours right. and he called me over one of them did and said okay you're either steven what's what's that other guy steven spielberg steven spielberg or your tom fitzmorris yes. one of the <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, I'm flattered uh, enough by that, but then yeah, it was a great time. And then uh, we we did uh, a little smidgen of a song. We did. We sang. And and uh, what came out of my mouth at that point was, you know, uh, it's this it, having a great time is just the the it, the target of your life. Absolutely. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And you never and know what you're going to get in New Orleans. You never know, and it's always a surprise. Go. And and well, at least speaking of which, I don't think you ever know what you're going to get from Gregory. But ask no, him what he's we, got going on. No, we don't. But we'll, let's find out. Uh, Gregory, you still there? Yeah, I suppose I am. What, what is that? Uh, down. <laughs> you're my new favorite person. Here we are trying Listen, to make I everything think, on I a. I think you're terrific, Allie. And the reason why I came up with Kooky Oyster Broad is I couldn't remember your name. It's and, okay. And you I don't need to know my name. You can call me the right. Kooky Oyster Broad. Yeah, because you're just delightful. And uh, I, I, I'm trying to put a face to the voice and your exuberance. It's really terrific. It's actually infectious. I'm try, I try to tame the excitement, but I'm just telling you, when I know Friday's coming and I've been doing the grind of my business all week and I've been running around sure. chasing the kids and I'm feeling exhausted, I wake up on Fridays, I was like, it's Fridays with Fitzmorris. Now there are people who are groaning right now. What'd you say? I wanted to tell you. No, I said, hey, Allie, you cookie oyster brought. I want to tell you what wow. a great place to go for lunch because the Bonton was like a staple. And I know Tom went there a lot back in the day. When yeah. I used to work in the CBD, that was a go-to. I mean, Oh, yeah, it was I, fantastic. I would, say, I would say the heck with mothers just walk down two more doors. And you're right, <laughs> right, right. Hey, uh, hey. Gregor, i got to go to the North Shore to make some sales calls um, um, in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to hit you up at Aquista Paces, right? Well, you, well I, would, I would certainly <laughs> love to meet you. All you got to do is ask for Gregory, and I they will. know who the tall, goofy guy I'm is. I'm going to hit you up, dude, and I'll tell them when they, when they say, uh, who's calling? I'm going to say the kooky oyster broad, and you'll know who. You'll, <laughs> you'll know That'll be terrific, actually. All right, what hey, you got, I man? You been to mention, Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you know what we did today for lunch? It wasn't anything that all that exciting. Uh, but 
but you know, Manzina's on the North Shore is a great place. So, so they we, talked about so it in the newsletter today. Ah, well, well. Yeah, that's right. Marianne and Tom went there yesterday, or the day before, I suppose. Yeah, you but guys had I a great to meal, Tom. About... I had turtle soup. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what they do, and I, I think they use it with veal, but it's still delicious. And I that, mean, oh, I'm quite sure they, it's something like that. And um, uh, yes, it was something else you guys did today, which I thought was terrific, uh, Allie. Um, um, having uh, Tim Lacoste on. He's here He's with us. Say I've hi, known. Tim. Hey, hey, Tim. Hey, 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 hey Greg. This is Greg Brown. <laughs> Greg Brown. All right. I grew up on the other side of Bonneville, but my family loved Swanson's. And then you know how you had Swanson's and Fontana's right next to each other? Mm-hmm. Well, the truth is, Swanson's was always better, but if Swanson's was too busy, we all went to either uh, Fontana's or, of course, Bruning's or, you know. But this is back in the 70s. Gregory's been around and the dining like, scene for a long time. <laughs> well, I'm 57. I'm, 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 I'm getting up there, but it was a favorite place for my grandmother uh, to go. And, of course, my father was always the designated driver, and my mom and my sister and my brother and I, we loved West End, especially on weekends. And we in particularly loved Swanson Seafood. Well, thank you. You uh, got there when they could still serve alcohol, right? And it wasn't the line down the middle? No, well, and actually, there was still a line there, but it was kind of a joke. Because oh, yeah. Served, it's yeah, it's it something to talk about, and if you have something to talk about. That was in the 1950s. Kefauver came down to New Orleans. He was a senator, and he's the one that broke up all the gambling on the Jefferson Parish side. Um, it was the Jefferson Parish side that had, you know, because all along Jefferson Highway, you had real, I mean, casinos sometimes they'd call them bingo parlors or bowling alleys but they were casinos <laughs> they had those games you've done your casinos. fair share of gambling huh gregory i can tell well you know what i got off of it when i was a kid you know when i was in the navy i used to live in nevada believe it or not that's a huge naval air station right in the middle of the mm-hmm. high desert Midwest of nevada is, yeah. about an hour due east of reno it's called fallon nas fallon nevada so yeah i got stung I don't gamble. I don't, I don't even play the lottery anymore. But I do know good food. Swanson's was certainly terrific. And yeah, so I thought I, it would be a good memory to watch. I always like the. Lane. I always like their TV dinners. Yeah, no, no, Swanson's. <laughs> no gamble there. You know what you're getting. No gamble yeah. there. Yeah. All right, All right Greg, man. Allie, I'm going to see you Allie, here in the I next couple weeks. Yeah, I'll certainly chime in again, but I think it's terrific. Thanks, and, sir. And, I appreciate it. I really do. The broad thing is that that's a term of endearment. I'm owning it, man. I'm taking it. I'm taking it off your lips, and I'm owning it. It's mine now. Cookie I oyster broth. I gave it broth. to you, girl. I you gave did. it to you, girl. Thank you, sir. All right. So long, guys. Yeah. Have a great, great weekend. weekend. Well. Oh, turned up the turned up the sound no, on that no, one, huh? No, I... Okay, so uh, Where were we? we are with Tim Lacoste, and he was. Um, we were wrapping up about Swanson's. Thanks for calling in, Gregory. And um, he was telling us about his then then moved into his father's seafood business, Dennis Seafood, which is now taken over by your brother. Correct. Um, and how are they doing? They're doing wonderful. They still crank out the best gumbo and artichokes. They're known for their seafood artichokes. Like pre-prepared? Like, mm-hmm. can I go in and buy this? Mm-hmm. Okay, and where they are they They have a lot at? of cooked food. They have shrimp salads. and um, Where is this? Uh, Clearview and West Esplanade on Lorino Street. It's kind of okay. like between next to Charvet's Garden Center and Walgreens. Yeah. Hmm. Like a little side I, street. I know where the Walgreens is that you're talking it's about. But two, I, it's two lots towards the lake over okay. uh-huh. on Lorino Street. Oh, and hmm. uh, been there since 1975, hmm. and my mother and father Man. are still the best cooks that I know. 
and you wouldn't believe they they have a lot of the old recipes from Swanson's. Good thing to my, do. Really? My, my mother. Hey, y'all listening to that? If anybody wants to delve back into Swanson's good food, they've got it over at Dennis Seafood on West Esplanade and Clearview. Yes. Is that what you said? Okay. And the marinated crab salad. I don't know how many people really know about the marinated crab salad, that. but that was a signature dish from Swanson's. Um, it's when you take a lot of celery, garlic, lemon juice, and um, blend it all up, and you take boiled crabs. And you crack them and you mix it in a, in a salad. Mm-hmm. You so pick them. And you're picking it. So they marinated these crabs with a lemon and celery garlic flavor, and it's outstanding. Sounds great. And this is delicious. They still have that. You and at me Den- next they time, still Tom. have that at Dennis's Seafood. Um, okay. But Any yeah. other quintessential ones that, kind of, um, that came out of there that you remember? I can't recall. Okay. can't recall, but. Um, They're cooking up some good food over there, yep. though. Okay. Still crawfish are the most popular. Yes. Crawfish. I'm sure. Definitely. I'm sure that's yeah. true. As we kind of uh, we're heading on our way to the end of the crawfish season, although it looks like uh, to me it might go a What's little bit longer. What's the season for crawfish again? Does um, there two seasons? More, more are Tuesdays. No, no. Tuesdays. It's you. Uh, what you have is from Thanksgiving to the Fourth of July. You'll start getting them in December. We'll start yeah. getting them in December. Okay. And it'll be very expensive. Yes. Right. And probably I know. small. You know why? Because I'm always, like, I'm at my house, and somebody says crawfish, and everybody starts calling up every single place they can find, asking what it is. And usually on the other line is, it's how much? <laughs> yeah. What? No. Come on. <laughs> you got to do better than that. That's literally the exact phrases that my husband mm. uses on the other end. That's what I hear. They're what? Wait, how much? Come on, you got to do better than that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great old New Orleans uh, chapter uh, for someone to say that to somebody else that he's. What you got to do better than that? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> that's like space. Uh, well, we... I'm wondering. Wait, before we get caught here, yeah. in, uh, do we owe the uh, New Orleans hamburger yes. and seafood? Can I do it? Oh, you want to do it? I do. Oh, okay, fire away. Well, because you know, I love hamburgers just yeah. like Marianne does. So I feel like, and I, I vow to you. Yes, she does. That I will not. I vow that I will not do hamburgers except for New Orleans hamburger and seafood because yeah. they offer one of my favorite things, which is char grilled oysters. Yeah, what right? a nice thing to have. Uh, I, Buttery, I hope cheesy, hot, yeah, delicious. Oh yeah, they're irresistible. And I'm sorry, what better than char grilled oysters and a juicy hamburger? I'm sorry. Like, if you're Together? ready to indulge. Yes! You, do you have one first and the other one no, after? No, you got the hamburger. You got the seafood. You uh-huh. take a couple scoops of oysters. You take a big bite of hamburger. Uh-huh. Okay? There's nothing better. In fact, do you know what today is? No, tell me. National Greasy, Greasy food, food Day. Yeah. Hamburger. <laughs> Oysters with butter and cheese. I put that out in my newsletter uh, earlier today, and I forgot to to tell you about it. So New Orleans hamburger and seafood right there. Giant, juicy, delicious, crispy hamburger. Char-grilled oysters on a rainy day like this. And crispy. It's very crispy. Yummy. Very light. Ten locations, I've been told. Do we have another one? Huh? No, that's... um, Okay. Doug is t- keeping track for okay. us. Okay. So, New Orleans Hamburger and Seafood, 10 locations all around yeah. the city. You right. can get somewhere right where you need to, right mm-hmm. where, you know, if you have a hankering, they're probably two blocks away. If you have um, eaten some fried seafood that you find to be heavy, uh, dark in color, maybe even dripping in oil, 
uh, I can tell you your problem. You are going to a restaurant that doesn't uh, make the extra effort to change out the seafood, uh, the, the oil, uh, the that oil it's in there, in and get enough. rid of it and mm-hmm. put in the fresh stuff and then get your temperature nice and hot before you go there, but you have the golden brown at the end of that. Right. That's what gives you some great fried seafood. And uh, Tom, I cannot uh, believe that we have nearly come to the end of two hours together. And we have somebody on hold, too. Oh, we do? We yeah, would a... you like to talk to him? Yeah, I would. Or, or wait. Wait, do what, we? Is there... Helen? Doug, is that for us? Oh, oh Alan. Alan. Alan, welcome to the food show. Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, I didn't want the show to end without mentioning Allie's, Allie Lofton oyster shell. No, don't say that, Alan. Oh, well, you can't see oh, that. I, I, can't I'm see not going to do a commercial or anything like that, but <laughs> you've made my life so much better. Uh, with, my shells, yes. What's that? I said my shells have, yes. But I hope your life, too. Well, I'm just saying, it's um, it's a blast being no, able to No, I love you, Alan. That. And, um, well, just uh, as I say, I'm up here in Seattle, and I miss miss New Orleans food so much. But at least I can, I you know, the oysters are plentiful up here, like, all year round. Yeah, I'm jealous. Uh, well, hey, speaking of jealous, so, hey, Tom, you do, Tom? Yeah. You hear me? Yes. So life is pretty good. You know, you've got Marianne Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And on Friday. You got the kooky oyster broad. <laughs> well, <laughs> life is good for you there. You've got two wonderful ladies. Um, oh, it's it's a wonderful thing. But this I can assure you of nobody but nobody takes Marianne. Seriously, she's a dynamo. Uh, she is a dynamo, and whatever you have to to back up whatever it is she's thinking about today, uh, and if you had an opposite version of it, you she's going, got it. You're going down, buddy. Forget she it. is <laughs> seriously a, a dynamo, Alan. When I met her just a few years ago, we actually connected over child rearing. That's what got us well, that, really talk about something that she knows about. Yes, that's what got us that, connected, and uh, yeah. I knew instantly. I said, "This woman is a force to reckon with." Oh, to put it mildly, <laughs> and uh, well, anyway, it's yeah. all everything you say is true. And and I, I'm, I'm going to add that you're both, uh, Marianne and you, Allie, are great moms. And and I know I haven't met you yet, but I follow you on Instagram. And um, I saw some pictures there of some, some wonderful uh, little uh, little kids. Yeah. Marianne and I, we love to gush over our kids and grandkids. Yep. She's an she's an awesome woman. You're, Thank you, wait, Alan. You're, you're about to tell me that you have grandchildren. No, I don't have grand. Going. I'm talking I about she I gushes over her kids I'm and her grandkids mostly, yeah. and mm-hmm. I gush over my kids. And I appreciate and well, deeply should. the compliments, Alan, because we both, her and I, that's really what we live for. We do love doing this show with Tom, and it's a blast. But we live for our kids. Hmm. Well, and life is good. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. And, well, let one last thing before I go, because you made a, a comment at the beginning of the show, uh, and I can't put it as eloquently as you stated. And, and I hope Marianne uh, was listening when you said that uh, some a statement about the show and how callers have no uh, they have an effect. They're, they're true, 
when we call in, but um, even without the phone calls, or I should say, yeah, well, can I get you to say it? You well, say I just so, said so. that the show doesn't always need callers for it to be for it to be really awesome to listen to. You don't right. you the, don't um, always need callers. Sometimes they call in a couple of days later, or sometimes they're not ready to talk. But that's what Tom and I were discussing on at lunch today was that the show doesn't need callers for it. To, it sure helps, though. It does. Yeah. And and we do love you. I, I mean, I love, listen, all of the people that call into the show are really interesting characters. Love them to yeah. death. Um, they have great facts, great history. Just they're interesting, intelligent people. But it's not a re- the number of callers each day is not a reflection of how interesting and quality of content that's on the show. It's been heading up, though. Yeah. We sure do like that's that. That's right. Yeah. It doesn't distract. It doesn't take Thank away. you so much, Alan, for reiterating that. I, I appreciate it immensely. Well, I hope you have a great I, weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, yeah, I just wanted to holler at you and, and also to Tom. Uh, and hoping you, you both have a great weekend and everybody listening as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. May, may the rain stop at some point. Yes, truly. <laughs> right. They're All right. Well, in Seattle. thank you, Alan. See you later. Come visit us again. It's the food show. This is Tom Fitzmorris. Let's see. We're wrapping up. I just wanted to say, but in case yeah. in case Tim had to roll on out of here, you're welcome to stick with us to talk food for the rest couple of minutes. But Tim Lacoste, Red Hill Beef Farm, he's been awesome today. He got to delve into history that I had, I knew nothing about because y'all know that, um, you know, I haven't I haven't been around too long to know all this stuff. But I just appreciate him making it down um, this way in the rain. Um, showing up, coming through, man. I was like, please don't bail on me. <laughs> um, Tom and I had a fantastic day, man. I always love spending time with you. I'm just gushing here. Like, I, I might even be on the verge of tears. I love spending time with you. I love coming to talk food. Thank you, Tim Lacoste, for coming in from Red Hill Bee Farm. And well, I had a great time. Delving into history, delving into um, his, his own apiary growth. Um, it was an awesome show with you, Tom. Well, I enjoyed it uh, as well, and it was really a pleasure. And and it's it's I like it start to finish. It's we 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 really cover some ground. So what's our what's our song going to be next week? Um, you know, what? I'm going to have to think what? about it, but I'm definitely feeling like the 1950s, 1960s, like pop. You know, like shooby doo wop. You know that little shooby doo wop. We should close with that, Doug. Can we yeah, well, get that? We, can we close out with that today? Well, you know, there was something I, I mentioned earlier, but we, it never came up again. But that group, the uh, the crew cuts, the crew cuts, yeah. were actually New Orleans guys. How do you know this? Because uh, Tom, I was in, in the nineteen. Let's see, this would have been in the late sixties, early seventies. Mm-hmm. There was a, a radio station here that did nothing but play oldies. Uh, oldies, Love it. E- oldies meaning it the forties, the you know the forty, you know the fifties maybe, and uh, I remember that there was a, that they were always playing the uh, uh, those guys, the crew cuts, the crew cuts, and also they they had a number of uh, records that they recorded over the years that uh, were covers, they had a couple of hits, covers as they call them, and this is mm-hmm. where somebody like. Just to give you an example, Fats Domino comes up with a great song. He plays it, and it's really great, and everybody wants it. Uh, But uh, it doesn't really get off the ground until some uh, somebody on some uh, management term or something. They uh, 
they get you know make uh, uh, fats you know kind of give him like a back of the house uh, look, right. and uh, and they do it themselves. Yeah, uh, by covering. Diff- totally yeah. different style of uh, of everything. Right, like a different rendition. Uh, totally different, and it's uh, but the, these guys the um, crew cuts the crew cuts. They did that, too. And it, it was in that era, you know, who cares? Yeah, I feel like that's a great way to go out today. And also to admit my, hey, Tim, you got a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a guilty pleasure. And, uh, oh, here it is again. Oh, there it goes. You think Mine are Wendy's fries and they're frosty. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.